Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Sitting down today in the Do You Convert studios with Michelle Sims Ryder, the founder and CEO of Strive Leadership Development, the founder and uh, of Terramore Homes as well, which ended up being acquired by Dr. Horton. And you started Terramore at a very interesting time. 2008, right in the <laughs> middle of the Great Recession, best time to start a home building company, right? And any kind of company. Yeah, that we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, necessarily talking about this, but I, I'm extremely curious what made you because a lot of the a lot of stories i hear about people who started home building companies around that time was that essentially like a bank came knocking and said hey we've got these lots that we own and we would like some help adding value to them by putting homes on them but i don't i don't know what your particular impetus was to get started not much different than that story i was not the one in the crisis necessarily um, but i had great partners and relationships i had built along the way and the second those who I cared about and who were affiliated with me were in crisis. Uh, they knew that one day I did want to start a building company. So it wasn't completely random. Mm. I just thought I was going to be like my age now before I did it. <laughs> and instead, that's exactly it. The banks wanted to be paid. And so it was a bit out of desperation. But what a great, you know, it all worked out. It's a great story. So what was your first hire? What, what position did you hire first? Yeah, so it really was myself and one superintendent as our first. That was it. It was the two yep. of so us. So someone needed... to build and someone to to pay the bills and and set strategy. That makes sense. Yeah, do some budgets. You know, hire trades, make sure they have insurance, get permits, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, estimates, yeah. all of all of that. Yeah, pay the bills. Um, but yeah, definitely had to have somebody in the field building, and it was somebody I had known for years. Which you know, that's one of my to me, the reason for my success and the reason I believe most are successful is it's based on the relationships that you've created along the way. So yeah. I was very fortunate to have them. I had someone really uh, well-known in our industry ask me recently, why do you do Builder 20 talks, Kevin? And I said, well, that's because they're owners and I love interacting with owners having been in a similar, I didn't own, you know, obviously uh, NVR. Um, but running two home building divisions for them, I can relate to a lot of what they went through, their decision makers, like it's just, and, and it's fantastic to get to meet all these folks and have those conversations. And they looked at me and they go, but do you get sales, like sales from it? And I was like, I don't, that's, that's not it. I have no clue which one of those 20 people may years from now or decades from now, pick up the phone and call me. Right. because of that one interaction. And, and so it's, it's great to hear your example too, of like, I just, you, you'd created a network without like uh, jadedly saying one day I'm going to use this network because <laughs> banks are going to need me and I'll be the sinister villain, you know, pulling the puppet master, pulling the strings. Like, no, it's just, it's the right thing to do. It's, it's the right thing to do. Built the relationships where I had the opportunity to start the company, built the relationships to have a, an amazing pool of people to pull from once I needed to hire people. 
And then great relationships and partnerships with the developers, the bankers, the trade partners, because guess what? It only got worse. It didn't get better, you know, it became harder to do business during that time. And so relationships are what get you through all of those difficulties. They don't call them soft skills anymore. Now they're um, power skills or super skills anyway, but you obviously had a lot of tenacity to, to get this going. Yeah. Time of uncertainty, a time of stress, a lot of home builders going out of business, you're going into business. Um, was there any sense that you had that as, as a female, it was tougher in, in some sense or were, were converse, like, was there skepticism of, man, it's already hard enough and, and now we're not sure if she can do this or not? Or, or did you, yeah. did, did the network already believe in you maybe? I have to say that my story is a very positive one. I, well, one, I had built the relationships for so long. I'm sure there was skepticism. I'm sure everybody, many were looking back and saying, oh, let's see, you know, is she going to really be able to pull this off? Um, but I think it's a lot easier when, when everybody is kind of in the same boat, when it's a struggle, when it's a crisis to say, what do we need to do to help each other? How can we get this through, you know, get through this together? And to me, that's the key. And at the end of the day, when you be, when you build a relationship with someone, I don't know, you just don't focus on that anymore. Like, what do we need to do to get the job done? You know, huh, that's, you know, I've, I've never been in war clearly, um, but I have watched <laughs> more movies. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, that, that sense of like, when you're in the foxhole with someone, yeah, I'm not, I'm not asking them, like, are you a pancakes or waffles person? Waffles, get the heck out of here. Like, I don't want yeah. you watching my back. It, it does maybe in that crucible make some things less relevant in the moment. Not that they aren't relevant overall, but it, less relevant in the moment. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, that's a great analogy for sure. And I think too that, you know, you got to prove yourself still. Like, maybe, that, yeah. that's important. And at the end of the day, you'll love, you'll appreciate this coming from marketing. And I have a background in marketing myself that what do people need? What is the value you can bring? How are you going to be different? What is your mark right now? And luckily what we chose to do worked and, yeah. and that, you know, you, you build your credibility that way at the end of the day. And so uh, Terramore grew to, to roughly what size? Yeah, we had 56 employees when we did finally sell and we had we were at about 85 million in revenue each year. So impactful for our Raleigh Durham, you know, yeah. MSA for sure. We'll talk about a competitive MSA too. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And, you know, if it weren't for those relationships, we wouldn't have had the positions that we had. So that was critical to creating that. Um, so yeah, we built, we built a pretty good size company. Uh, you know what? I love asking builders that we work with this question. So I'm going to ask you, uh, cause you're, you're far enough away from it now that it doesn't like you can, you can be fully transparent. I think, okay. um, every home building organization is ultimately run primarily by one department. Uh, and people are like, no, 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 we are. I'm like, okay, but if everyone gets in a disagreement in the, in the proverbial boardroom, one department tends to get what they need or ask for more than others. And so I can see, I can see you chuckling. So, you know, typically it's, it's fine. The finance department, it's the sales department, uh, very rarely construction, uh, often land. Um, that's a loaded, 
Wow, that's a great question. And I I like it a lot. Um, you can pick two if you can't pick just one, but there's certainly, and I think I, I, mean, I always wonder I, if it flows first... from the owner or not. And now you can kind of tell me, is it just like what the owner finds most valuable or have they seen something in the business that says, this is the thing that is the most important part of what we do? Yeah, it's, it's a loaded question. My gut, my first instinct answer is sales. Because at the end of the day, right? If you're not yeah. getting sales, what have you got? It doesn't matter yeah. how the, the money doesn't matter. You don't have any to count and you can't buy any land and you can't pay, pay the banks and you mm -hmm. know it all comes down to sales. So most of my answer comes from that and it is my background too. So it's easy for me and I was the owner. So I think that that And, and here, here's the interesting thing, which I don't have hard data to quantify this, but when people give the answer of sales versus construction or finance, everything else tends not, don't get me wrong. They're pro that often means they're over indexing and compensation or trips or parties or things that ruffle the feathers of the rest of the organization. <laughs> but generally when you're, when the answer is sales, it also means you're more focused on the customer than not. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, at I, least, I like that answer. yeah. And at least when, when, you know, in my world, everybody was a salesperson, no matter what we all were, constantly focused on the sales, right. no matter what your job and your role is, you are in sales. So, and that was yeah, the Dan training. Daniel Pink wrote a great book uh, about a decade ago called to sell as human arguing the okay. same point. Everyone's in sales. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you're either so, selling to the bank or the trade partners or somebody. So you sell Terramore to, to DR Horton, you ride off into the proverbial sunset. Uh, yeah. Where was the first, what was, what was the first trip you took? Where did you go? Oh did you go to Disney World or uh, Dubai or what, like what did you do? I like, think it was the Bahamas. Okay, pretty I can sure get it was that. the Bahamas. Yeah, that sounds about right. Did yeah, you did I mean, you do? And these are all. I'm also just personal curious. Like, did you just go for the proverbial one week trip, or did you did you say like I don't like I have less? Uh, well, what's what's so funny is we, you know, I still worked. <laughs> like I didn't sell and walk away. I still had a job. <laughs> Got it. So it's not as if I just kind of retired. I didn't really ride off into the sunset entirely. I just, I stayed for two more years with the company and yeah. it was wonderful. And I loved my people and I wanted to see it through. So that part was still there, but in terms of the celebration, yeah, it was probably like a 10 day trip to the Bahamas. Okay. Yeah. A little, a little extra. So I, I'm getting a sense more of who you are, like on the conservative to liberal scale and all the rest It's like, we're going to, we're going to party. We're not going to, we're not going to go for like a, a 30 day long, like, right. Detox, right. Just, you know, a couple extra days in the Bahamas. I like it. Yeah. A couple extra, took a couple extra, a little splurge. You wanted it for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and now you, you founded and, and, uh, lead, uh, strive and, and tell us what the, what's, what's the purpose uh, of this organization? What's, yeah, what's I mean, you know, I just said, I, I stayed with the company for two more years and, and um, probably would have stayed longer. COVID definitely threw things in a little bit of a lurch, but I realized what I realized and I loved the people and working for them. But what I realized is what I enjoyed the most was growing and developing the people to be able to become who they could be in their new positions and roles and, and help grow the company further and help them achieve their own goals. So 
in all of that, I knew that what I really want to do is help more people become exactly that, grow into who they want to be and serve their company to the best of their ability, become leaders. Yeah. Which our industry needs. Yeah. And here's my perspective. I'd love to hear yours is that a lot of people get into home building somewhat accidentally. Unless you go to an architectural engineering school um, or you grew up in it, you, you talk to people who get in the industry and they're like, I, I didn't know it was. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who grew up in New England. They didn't even know home building companies existed. They're like, existed. I've only ever seen scattered lot stuff. I've never seen a whole neighborhood be developed. Um, and and so because of that, there, there, there often doesn't, seem to be this clear defined path. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if you work for a large organization like a DR or an NVR or Lennar, et cetera, they, they've developed these clear paths of, if you wanna get to here, here's potential routes to, to navigate it. But for a lot of organizations, it's somewhat muddy. Like, how do you become a leader here? Would you, do you agree with that or? 100% agree. I'm, I'm from um, central New York. There were not home builders there. That I came to North Carolina and I was selling homes. Uh, and actually, I wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm, I was in property management. And I met someone through a networking group and became friends. And she said, did you know that you could go work for a builder? And I'm like, what? What are you even talking about? That exists. And that's how I started. And before it was, I think, a year and a half before my boss said, you're going to be a manager. By the way, you're going to be a manager now. <laughs> it really wasn't even <laughs> much of an option. And so that was the, the path was sort of created for me. And I was young enough that, yeah, sure. Why not? But you're right. After that, then what, what, how do you know what the opportunities are and how do you learn? How do you learn how you can become, go into yeah. land? If you're interested in land or if you're interested in finance, or if you're started in sales and you want to go in construction, luckily it's an industry that allows for all that because it's so muddy, you can really go wherever you want. It's just yeah, not people, a clear People path. are often surprised. Um, you know, a salesperson would say, I'm interested in being, learning more about the land department. And they're like, sure. She's yeah. like, well, no, what is this? You just have to start spending time with us in the land department. We're <laughs> gonna show you how this so works. Um, so, and, and any questions I ask you, I'm not, I'm never trying to pigeonhole or generalize. We just get that out of the way. So if you're listening to this, don't take any sound bites out of context and, and all the rest. We have a great audience. Who, they would never do that anyway. But there seems to be this narrative that a lot of the onus is on the company. And I think that's fair. Mm. And companies like to say that the, no, the onus is on the employee. The employees aren't stepping up. Are the employees not stepping up more often than not? Or is the company not intent, being intentional about leadership development, do you think? I think there's a little bit of both. But I do think that especially because it's a little muddy and it's a little gray and there's not a clear direction of path of what it takes to get to the next thing that it makes people hesitant to bring their best self. So you and I've talked about this example mm. in the past, but if you are a leader in marketing, for example, and you're sitting and bringing the facts and the data and you have, maybe it's very positive in terms of what you've created in terms of website traffic and leads in your company, well, how are you going to be a leader in the company to take it to the next level? How are you going to ensure that decisions that are made and actions that are taken and strategic planning 
has all of that with you in mind and your expertise in mind. Don't just sit back and wait for other people to make those decisions. But what are you bringing to the table? That's Those are the leaders in the company when they're willing to speak up and bring what they have to the table, their value. Yeah, and there's these periods of awakening that we all have that are different, but in practicality of what they look like. Mm. One, one example for me was, because uh, everyone, you know, by definition, when you're a child, you're sheltered. To different extents, yeah. some people wish they were sheltered more, some people wish they were sheltered less. But there's this, there's this, uh, the world becoming bigger, the, the older you get, and you're like, no one told me, oh, there's not anyone here to show me this, I'm gonna have to figure it out on my own. For me, it was, uh, I, I, I used MapQuest in 2007 to go to a meeting in downtown Pittsburgh, just picked a random parking garage to go into because I didn't, it was close to where I needed to be. Uh, I was three levels down before all of a sudden there were just, as far as I could see, cars in every direction. And apparently this was a valet only garage and no one, I'd missed a sign or something. So now I can't go forward. I have no room to turn around. And I had to go backwards slowly uh, in this indoor parking garage, three <laughs> levels, hoping that no other car came down the same way. And it was just a sense of like, I just got to figure this out. I got to be a yeah. little bit smarter, a little bit more aware. Um, so, so one of those moments professionally, I think, is when you realize that all of this focus on your job and your department mm -hmm. suddenly doesn't matter if you can't work well with other departments and see the bigger picture of how it all integrates together. Mm -hmm. that, that seems to me potentially one way that people need to stretch themselves is no one's necessarily going to tell you to go to lunch with that other person to develop a relationship. And if you're so narrowly focused on just your job description and your role, you're, you're yeah. going to hit a limit. hundred percent. And, you know, there are managers who do a good job of managing the operations of their department, their job, their people, check the reports, meet the deadlines, all of that. There's managing the operation of the business. Right? And those people are valuable. Can't, can't run a business without them. No, mm -hmm. no doubt. Then there's leaders and leadership, the way I define leadership, at least there's a variety of different definitions, but is a person who's maximizing the strengths and efforts of others toward a goal. That person doesn't have to be a manager. In fact, many times the leaders are not managers. And right. if you are a manager and you are also a great leader, then it is about maximizing what everyone's strengths and efforts are for the goal we're trying to achieve holistically as a company. Where are we going? What, what are we doing? And who has the strength and who has the effort to be able to bring to getting us there? And that includes yourself. So if you see ways for yourself to contribute better and bring more value, you've got to reach out. You've got to find it and go after it. Yeah. And so are the people reaching out to you a mixture of organizations saying, please help my company, myself, or my, my team members? Uh, are there individuals that reach out to you? How does, yeah, how it's does both. It okay. Yeah, it's both. I have companies reach out to me because they want possibly their whole division um, mm -hmm. leadership team to go through the program. So they're all on the same United front and working toward the same goal to get somewhere. And I have a lot of individuals who reach out to me either because they're making a change in their employment, they want to become promoted, they want to be seen as more valuable, 
Um, they want to build their confidence so that we can do a lot of the things we just talked about. So I've got individuals and I have companies, but ultimately that's the point is how do you become a better leader of yourself so that you can lead others and serve the company better toward, toward its goals. Yeah. So the, the owners or division presidents listening, they know what to do, where to find yeah. you, what, what to call. I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm less interested in that group, but I feel like for the average person who's just an individual driving in their car or doing chores while they're listening to us right. or, or watching, I'm just yeah. an individual person. What, what are the common, you know, one of my early, early mentors just always said, listen for echoes and then like read everything you can on a topic, listen for the echoes and then stop reading because if you're not hearing a new echo, then you've kind of contained some of the essence of, of what that topic is about. What are the what are kind of the common echoes of of things that are holding people back when they mm -hmm. reach out to mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. an individual? Yeah, it's a great question. The the biggest one I hear most often is people are afraid to put their neck out there, speak up, give their opinion, bring their value because they don't want they're afraid they're going to be wrong. They're afraid they're going to mm -hmm. be judged. They're afraid yeah. they're going to do it the wrong way, make a mistake, fail, whatever, be embarrassed, whatever it is. And we put way too much pressure on ourselves to fit into whatever idea it is we've created, because most of the time people aren't even paying attention that much, quite honestly. Yeah. But do we get in our own way? <laughs> you're right. You're so right about that. And that's, that's deeply depressing, by the way, if you're one of those people doing amazing work and sticking your neck out there and, and other leaders don't even notice that that's, that's not a good place to be. But yeah, so, so it's fear, a lot of fear, fear, it's fear. And, and, um, and it's because we, you know, you're, you, you had a great example earlier about how we were, we're sheltered as children. We're also very mm -hmm. dependent. We're dependent on our parents to take care of us. We're dependent on teachers to lead us the way we're so dependent that becoming an adult, nobody said, okay, <laughs> now you have to go figure it all on your own and pursue it. Yeah, And we stay in that mode and it's hard for us sometimes to switch out of it and say, okay, how am I going to create the life that I want? I don't need to depend. How do I depend on me instead? How do we become yeah. independent to create that? A, a child psychologist might say this is not a good idea, but one of the things my wife and I tell my kids all the time is, especially my oldest, this is the, this is a first for us. Like we don't, yeah. we're, we're learning through this as well. Yeah. And you're right. There's that, there's that leading and, um, used to read a ton of historical biographies of, of famous people and almost all of them, especially autobiographies, like half of the book is just a whole bunch of self-doubt or the acknowledgement mm -hmm. later on of a whole bunch of self-doubt that was happening in the time. Yeah. And so one of those other things that just like one day you start seeing differently is, is like, yeah, that person's the CEO, but no matter how they present themselves in any given situation, there's a whole bunch of uncertainty and doubt behind those eyes too. And so you can't let the mask of I'm, I'm the CEO in charge and I have all the answers fool you as a, Oh as my a gosh. It's so true. And I, I can't tell you how many times I say that in a day. I think I just said it an hour ago to somebody you you're never number one everybody else is dealing with the exact same thing because we're all human and we all are afraid to make mistakes and we're designed to want to belong to the people we're around and not be rejected 
and be accepted and be liked and fit in and all of that. Like that's our human design, of course. And that does serve us to a degree. And then we just have to recognize when it's not anymore. It just isn't serving us to get us to the next level because Mm. we have to get uncomfortable to, to grow. Yeah. So, but if you're not self-aware enough by default to, to recognize that's happening, what are some things that uh, situations or, or things being said to you or about you that might be a clue that it's not working for you anymore, do you think? I think um, if you find yourself at a place where you are feeling very anxious, if you are feeling um, doubting yourself, if you're afraid, it has nothing to do with anything else that's happening around you. And we automatically assume mm. that it has to do with this big group yeah. that we're speaking to or the level of um, hierarchy of the people we're in the presence of, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're if you're standing around because you're uh, somebody from corporate is visiting, you're automatically most likely going to feel more anxious, and you think it's because it's that person. It really isn't. It has to do with what you're telling yourself in your head, right? That somehow they're going to judge you and that you're not going to be good enough, and that's a big, you know, that's a big sign right there. So if you're feeling that way. That is a big sign. You yeah. usually know what kind of results you're getting and if they're not working for you. I well, think you, most you, you, just, you may not know why, but you know they're not working. And then then there's just yeah. the discovery and being open enough to say, okay, it could be a whole bunch of things. Let's go figure yeah. out which one it is. Yeah, totally. The other thing people come to me with is, you know, they always, everyone says they don't have enough time. Everyone says they're burnt out. Everyone says there's just not. <laughs> And it, you know, you know what I'm about to say, like, it is about prioritizing. I mean, you're just, it's about reprioritizing and you have to continue doing it. It'll never end. Your life is going to change and evolve. So to me, it is all about managing your mind around time and knowing that you get to choose everything you do. There's literally nothing you have to do. You get to choose it. Even if it's a pain to go pick up your kids from school, you get to, you choose to. It's so interesting how, um, sometimes the walls can close in on you though, and you're not sure that you still can make all those choices. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of like personal branding and, and like a, a brand in a company study, I was just talking with a, an amazing, uh, branding expert who's going to be talking at our event in September. And he's like, you know, personal branding can be really dangerous because you're creating all these rules or, or like celebrities. They're like, well, I have to, I have to be and present this person and how do I reinvent myself appropriately? And I was like, wow, that's, so this is, we're not, it's just between you and me, no, no one else, but people know that I like pancakes. They know that mm-hmm. I like maple syrup, the personal brand of me, it's helpful for people to know that they can relate to me on something. And pancakes are one of those things and people love mm-hmm. it. And, and I love when people send me pancake related paraphernalia. However, <laughs> most the best part about pancakes is that they hold maple syrup which which to be fair waffles do as well but publicly except for my very 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 closest of friends i would never be caught dead eating a waffle because it's it's a certain discipline that i've created arbitrarily that kevin likes pancakes it's what i put in the world i rate them i have a separate instagram channel just for pancakes but at the end of the day i'm a human being which means you can choose at any moment to break away from that. Yeah. It, it, it's not like the Ritz Carlton who couldn't suddenly have, you know, $59 a night specials 
that they start running because that would be that would be way off brand. Right. But humans, humans have the, this ability that we sometimes we tell ourselves we can't make a change and we absolutely can. And especially to your point, uh, and if it's not working, why would you not make a change? Right. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, at the end of the day, you can pick whatever you want. And if it's working for you, keep going. Why not? But at some point we have to look at it and say, if you want a different result, we're going to have to take a different approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either so, working so or how not. Do, but... How do you lead people down that, like, do people hire you ever and they say they want to make all this change and then you you kind of lay out what things they need to consider and they're like, oh, I didn't mean that change. Mm. I meant like change my circumstances around me, not change. Because it definitely sounds like you're talking about change starts from within. Change starts from within. You can always change your circumstance, but you're still the same person going into the next circumstance. Mm. You know, the old the old saying, you can go, but you're going to take yourself with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what it, it's true. So if you constantly think that it's everything else and everyone else all the time, that's causing you to feel however you feel, you got to start to look at some point and say the common denominator here is me, but that comes back to being a leader of yourself. You know, how do, what do I want to create? And am I willing to do the yeah. things to create it and why why do i even want it, it and like you said you, have- you have to lead yourself in in your prioritization you have to make conscious decisions to prioritize what's important that's right that's right that's right and there's nothing wrong with sitting around all day and watching netflix if you want to it's just a matter of is it getting you closer to what you said you wanted to accomplish or right. not otherwise netflix is great nothing wrong with it yeah just don't ask why am I not running the company in three years? Right. And I'm sad for you to deny yourself of waffles because I personally am a big waffle fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to get myself back on brand, uh, you know, chemically and from a from a recipe standpoint, waffles okay. are exactly the same as pancakes. Typically, the only ingredient is that you add twice as much oil. So okay. they're just unhealthy pancakes. At the end of the day, okay. if you want to eat an unhealthy pancake, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, it's, it's all right. We can still be yeah, friends. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. I froze there a minute. Um, I don't know if you did. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we got it all, but it, it sometimes it, it'll hiccup a little bit. Um, okay. so can I ask you a controversial question? Does it it's have not, to do with waffles? Not, it, it's not, it's not my controversial question either. I just saw this posted somewhere, I think on Twitter or LinkedIn. Okay. And the statement was made that, um, or it was a question to the, to the world mm-hmm. is, is I think this, this to me encapsulates a lot of the points you're touching on, but it, it gives a tangible example. If the CEO of a large organization, uh, has to skip in, in the example given, it was his daughter's rehearsal wedding in order to close a hundred million dollar deal that will benefit his company, his shareholders, his employees, tremendously by having all this additional revenue. Are they a better CEO or a worse CEO than someone who says, no, I'm going to forego the, and obviously this is a fake scenario because you could assign someone else the the role there's, but to me, it comes down to that point of like prioritization and being honest about the fact that there are always trade-offs. So is that CEO a better CEO than someone who forgoes the revenue for his employees and his company, but attends the rehearsal? 
or as the one who who sacrifices his personal life for the sake of the cause, so to speak? Which one? Yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great analogy. I think generally what I uh, and I will answer your question, but generally what I do tell people is you your work can be a top priority your family can be a higher priority but that doesn't necessarily mean you're mm. going to spend all your time it's not proportional with your time you know yeah. you really do spend a lot of your time either at work or thinking about work or plugged into work like we all do but it doesn't mean that it's more important than our family necessarily so yeah. sometimes people kind of get that confused you know, if there is a if there is a very clear priority in front of you, staying focused on that and knowing which things will interrupt that and you will allow them to interrupt it gives you all the power to make those decisions for yourself. And it when you be when you put yourself in a position of power to know these are the things that I will make exceptions for and these are the things I won't. It allows you to get out of being a victim in a situation or lose your power which allows you to also be more resourceful and creative to come up with solutions for how to make it work. And so I'm not answering your question, but I am because I know oh, you I are. I, I think you gave a perfect answer because again, it, it's about, well, that individual, what was, what was priority. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also looking back to what you were saying of like, you had put out into the world in multiple parts of your network. Like one day I would like to start a home building company. Mm -hmm. The CEO who says, I'm like a, that terrible guy who was celebrating someone like selling their dog to like go back to work or whatever, yeah. like that. Oh my gosh, terrible. Right? Ridiculous. Yeah. So then in, in particular, that type of a CEO choosing to uh, go to his daughter's rehearsal wedding instead of getting it, it, it like, again, it's kind of this like, it's not congruent. It doesn't match up. You can't. Right. This, so, so I think part of this the answer or lesson is you need to be upfront with what some of those things are with those around you. Like, Hey, I will do anything I can for this cause or this goal, but it's okay to just let everyone aware that unless, you know, my kids need me or my wife needs me or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll still try to figure out how to balance out the best I can. A lot of people, it seems like also just shy away from they're, they're like, they don't want to put stuff on their calendar. It's like, we have to pretend like there is no personal life, like right. Kevin and Michelle are just what we present on Zoom and on stage. And you can't right. know that we go buy milk from time to time at the store kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so true. I mean, we, it's not, our, we are one person and we have all of the amazing things that everyone does hear about. And we have all the crap that everybody else also has to deal with. We all have challenges and difficulties and strains and you know all the good the bad and the ugly We're, that's what that's what our whole lives are made up with so being honest and authentic about that like when i know the top you know leadership attributes that people look for one of them is authenticity well okay here's your opportunity be a real mm. human mm. we're all just a bunch of humans really at the end of the day that's right so yeah yeah, you have kids, you have needs, you have things that are important to you. And you're right, communicating it in advance. That's awesome. What has been the your favorite part, I guess, as like non-generic as possible about, about being able to mm -hmm. do this now for the last two and a half years? What's the thing that maybe you didn't expect 
you would enjoy so much? Yeah. I mean, I, every time I'm working with somebody where they have an aha moment, that's that they, that allows them their minds to open up and make a shift and create a new result for themselves, have a new perspective, relieve themselves of really pain. I mean, they're, we're, mm. we many times create our own suffering with our own thoughts and the way we're seeing things. And when I can relieve that from somebody and help them see that there's a different way to look at this, I know that they're going to be able to make big impact in their lives because of it. And so for me, that's what it is all about. That's why I'm doing it. I want mm -hmm. people to be able to see there's an alternative. There's a way that you can grow. You don't have to continue to stay frustrated and, you know, or a victim to whatever's happening in your life. Go be a real person and, and grow to be whoever you're capable of being. I don't think people know all their potential. No, certainly not. And that's always any type of, of coach. That's the awesome part about it is they, yeah. if they're good, they can see that potential and help you uh, both be honest with yourself, but that does a lot of times being honest with yourself sounds like a negative connotation. It's also acknowledging or, or making sure they acknowledge the good parts Yes, uh, as well. Yeah. And not thinking that you're going to have to change overnight and beating yourself up for not like appreciate the baby steps that you're taking to grow and you know, the changes that you're putting into place for yourself, just like any other coach, you know, if you're a coach of a, did you say coach your, um, do you coach yeah, your kids? So soccer. Soccer team. Yeah. Like, of course you're going to, you're going to be able to see things from a perspective that they can't because they're little running around on the field. So you're helpful. And, and when they have a success, they're proud, which makes you proud that they mm -hmm. figured it out. It's amazing. Love that. Yeah. Some uh, people have asked the same question. Like, do you ever wish you could like uh, get in the trenches again? I mean, there are days for sure where that sounds like it would be fun, but it's, it's, it's really cool to be able to watch 30, 40, 50 other people have those wins on a regular basis mm -hmm. and be able to participate mm -hmm. in that with them for sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, so where do people go to learn more about you? We'll have links in the show notes as well, but is, is there, um, you have a podcast, right? I do. I have, uh, so strive leadership development is how they uh -huh. can find anything they want anywhere. And I have the work in progress podcast because we're all a work in progress and, um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn most commonly and YouTube. So they can find me anywhere. Yeah. If they go to Instagram, they can actually find what I talk about a lot in leadership, which is knowing your performance motivator. What motivates you to work where you work? Why are mm. you working there at this time of your life? And there's a little quiz that they can do. Um, but that's part of leadership. I'm, I know where I'm going. Yeah, go check it out. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to know. Okay, I, can I? am I really being honest about with myself about why I work mm -hmm. here? It's a cool way to really and with your own team and when you know what their performance motivators you can help them again if leadership is okay we're all working towards the same goal now everybody's in it for the same reasons so it's good yep. to know yeah and it makes it easier to attract talent too when everyone else knows what the goal is too yes totally yeah that's right well michelle thanks so much for stopping in and having this conversation and and just excited to see what you're doing you know leadership is such a big word yeah but you have such a big background to, to draw from both personally and then also again as coaches we all get better 
when we work with more people because now we have even more stories uh, and examples to pull from. The stories grow every day. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it so much. And I know um, I can certainly would love, have enjoyed talking to you and hearing your experiences too. So yeah. no, it's been great. great to connect. Yeah. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll have you on again some sometime soon. We we'll love it. Everyone is like, yeah, I'm still waiting for my, but we are, we've had almost no repeat guests for almost five years. It's time. Amazing. We're going to start the world. The, the circle will begin again. That's incredible. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's you're, you're very it, it's popular. Been, oh, well now it's definitely <laughs> time to, to cut the show. All right. Thanks again, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of market proof marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers, become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.